recently settled on the new colony world of Zagris, the daughters of two xenobiologists, Olivia and Viola Ship, will face discrimination from colonists, illness, treacherous wildlife, the pitfalls of teenage romance, and an unknown species of ruthless killing machines. Together with a ragtag group of incompetent colonists, they must band together, survive, and find a way off the planet before they become a victim of biological war. Subprime. This is the LV246 Degrees of Alien podcast, and we are talking Alien Echo. This week, Andrew is off, but I have a very special guest with me, my daughter, Mariana. Hello. Hi. And we're here to talk about the young adult alien novel, Alien Echo. We both read it, right? Alien Echo is a is a 2019 uh, book by Myra Grant. Myra Grant, if you are not aware, is actually the pen name of a Sean and McGuire who's written a bunch of urban fantasy stuff, writes a lot about LGBT representation in, um, which I'm sure we'll get into when we talk about Alien Echo, into uh, sci-fi, urban fantasy uh, genre stuff, horror occasionally, um, usually under the pen name Meyer Grant. So, uh, yeah. So we'll talk about that. Spoiler-free first, and then we'll uh, really dig into that book. But before we get into Alien Echo, I think it's worth noting that within the last month, you just, for the very first time, watched Alien and Aliens, correct? Yes. Okay. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you how you feel about those two. Feel, you know, get, get a feeling for, you know, what the kids are saying these days, you know? And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll bounce off of that. Before that, I'm just going to ask you straight out, mm-hmm. how do you feel about science fiction? I never have liked sci-fi. Yeah. Like, at all. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about horror? Um, I like horror, but not science fiction slash horror. Okay, which is definitely is, right? Yes. Um, across all three of these things. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Alien, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, you know, Alien everyone listening to this podcast i'm assuming since you're listening to a podcast completely dedicated to everything related to alien uh the alien universe and the predator universe and everything in between is uh near and dear to many of these these individuals hearts so um yeah um how do you feel about the movie alien i did not like it (laughs) (laughs) that's the sound of uh the 30 people who listen to this podcast heartbreaking as you said that uh what um, what didn't you like about it? I feel like it was just, like, stereotypical horror characters being stupid and going off on their own and dying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, uh, you know, people don't probably aren't going to want to hear this, but I think that that's actually a accurate sort of description of what Alien is, because Alien is at its core a haunted house movie that just happens to take place in space do you know what i mean you have a monster yeah, yeah, yeah. stalking people stalking things and I, and it's also sort of one note in the sense that it just happens to be a note i really enjoy which is 
very dark. There's very little humor in it, right? Yeah. It's very um and, and any and there's any humor, right, which I find in it. It's among um how disgruntled these space truckers are, right? Yeah. Um you know, and uh, about their pay and the shit they're being put through, you know? Mm-hmm. But I love the, like, uh, the corporate conspiracy stuff that's introduced in this film. What do you think about that? And, you know, and this doesn't just obviously relate to Alien and Aliens. What do you think about, like, the corporate st- stuff that's really, like, underlying everything in the Alien franchise? I think it's important to showcase, like, the realistic parts even when it's sci-fi in space with aliens i think that that's a smart addition to show some realism in the unrealness of alien yeah yeah and so it's really interesting like even in we'll talk i guess we'll segue us into aliens which i think you have more to say about but Really, in both of the films, when it comes down to it, the alien is just biologically doing what it's designed to do. It's the the bad guys are actually Wayland Utani, which is the mega corporation, yeah. right? They're their actual villains. Which you know, even as a young teenager, um, always appealed to me, right? Because I do think, unlike a lot of sci-fi, that really feels at least on the surface really sanitized do you know what i mean like a lot of those spaceship movies feel really glossy and hopeful alien universe is very cynical yeah there's no (laughs) there all of these people are getting screwed over and i really just um i've always appreciated that so and i really think that rolls us into aliens right because the bad guy aliens is burke right not really the aliens uh, in the in the in the corporation as a whole, um, what did you think of Aliens? I liked it a lot better than Aliens. <laughs> Why did you like Aliens better? And by the way, I think this is a very common. I don't think you're alone in that. I prefer Alien than Aliens, but I think that the vast majority of people prefer Aliens to Alien. Yeah. So why why do you feel that way though? I think that the characters are just a lot smarter in the second movie. Well, they they have more agency, right? Like, they have a mission, and... So, yeah, I agree with that, like, in the sense that they feel more purposeful, whereas Alien, they're really just kind of wandering into this situation, and they're getting picked off one by one. Aliens is, like... Not only is Aliens more... You know, the characters are sort of, you know, Bill Paxton hamming it up the entire movie, which adds some levity you sort of have a more well-rounded plot in Aliens. It has a lot more in it, right? It yeah. feels like it's multifaceted, right? It's, there's, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I feel like there's multiple things going on in Aliens compared to Alien, like a whole thing with Newt and Ripley, and then also, like, the Marines, um, like, their relationships with each other. And how those, everything kind of gets destroyed throughout the movie between all of them, except... And then Ripley and Newt are building their relationship throughout the movie. Hmm. I feel like there's just more plot to Aliens than Alien. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think Alien's more one note, right? Like, it's it's designed to scare you, right? I do think the chestburster scene is one of the most shocking 
scenes in film history. But yeah, I, I definitely even agree with that. Even with my love for Alien, downside is that Aliens uh, has a resounding lack of Jonesy, and that is yes. a problem. Yes, it is. It definitely 100% is. <laughs> Jonesy was the savior of the first movie, and I think he deserved more t- screen time in the second. He does look uh, fabulous, though, in the second film, in the scenes that he does get. Yes, so. of course. <laughs> you know, you also... And Aliens, I think, you sort of hinted at this, which is like there's multiple themes running through Aliens, which is like the motherhood theme and the, you know, um, in in typical James Cameron fashion, I think sometimes those things are a little heavy-handed, but I do think they are uh, just work really well. And you can just imagine how amazing Aliens would be on in a movie theater, right? Like, it's, it's like jam-packed action wall-to-wall. Anything you didn't like about Aliens? I I appreciate the whole motherhood theme, but I don't like how it was carried out with, like, Newt just randomly being like, Mommy, and then them living happily ever after. Like, that was just kind of a strange way to do it. Well, you can rest assured that, um, spoiler alert for Alien 3, that typically that movie begins with, uh, we just read through a whole bunch of the scripts and like almost all of the scripts it starts with Newt getting ripped to shreds so that uh that is um a thing uh you know um so the the other thing about aliens is i do think though it really fleshes out in, in at least in film form the corporation aspect of it i think in the in the beginning where um ripley's like just being not believed feels so like real to like how corporations actually work how they're just interested in you know the cost associated with it and uh that's just a theme that i think is just really unlike the motherhood theme which i like and i don't think you're alone many people think newt is annoying um in English, which doesn't help either, um, is, <laughs> is uh, uh, you know, the the corporation aspect is just, I think, really well laid bare in Aliens, you know? Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that? I think that Burke's character was, like, really a good way of showing the corporation things as him as a representation for them him just being like oh i'm gonna lie to you and then i'm gonna try to murder you so that i can bring money back to my company (laughs) yeah and empower himself right like um i think it really does a great job of showing like what the uh, a lesser film would have made burke just slimy right like just evil right which he is but he really does a great job of being like it's really genius casting using Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser's like a dude who's known for being like um non-offensive white dude sitcom star, right? Like it's really smart to just put that guy into that role because and Paul Reiser just looks like a guy that would also simultaneously be a dick, but also like is sort of like um, g- like goody two shoes and like feeling like he's like all shocks, right? So he's not like just offensively 
bad. He's worse than that. He's a snake. Like, he glad hands you. He's, like, nice to you in your face. And he's going to, like, screw you over the first time. When it becomes opportunistic, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great um, representation of capitalism in general, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think those are really good points, you know? And, and also, like, I again, I agree that aliens with the motherhood theme, which is something that will continue to play out in the alien franchise, I think to its detriment is um, a little heavy handed in this a little, but I think it's a fair, you know, her calling her mommy at the end is like a touch too far. You didn't actually yeah. need that. Yeah. Right. You like get it right. You get it. You get the, the, get the queen versus her, her calling her a bitch. Like it just, all of that works so well. And then her calling her mommy is like a step too far. Yeah, we were just kind of like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we get it, right? And and before that, it's really subtly done, right? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's almost like dropped. It's a big deal to Ripley, right? But it's... It's not, like, hammered over the head like she lost her daughter. Like, it's just an impactful one scene, and then they move off of it, and the rest is in her performance. What do you think... A first Sigourney Weaver's performance in these films. Like, what do you think? I think she was clearly the best character in both movies, the smartest and the most like well-developed character. Clearly. Yeah. The. Well, interestingly, this might find you. This you probably don't know this. Alien was actually written with no gender in mind for any character. So it was written yeah. just straight up, and then they just cast the best actor for each role, which makes Ripley sort of. A feminist icon because she's just like to a lot of people right like that's just um, one of the the most famous final girls of all time right because she's capable she's not just like screaming um like even like although i think she's a great final girl sydney prescott and scream is also sort of tortured and screaming and like running away whereas ripley's like no assholes get your shit together and she's right from the very beginning right she's mm-hmm. like don't bring this this dude in here follow the quarantine procedures mm-hmm. you know do you think that changed any in aliens or did you think that because like you said you think the aliens characters are better what do you think of ripley and alien i think ripley has more memorable scenes and lines in aliens than alien and i think I think having her go straight from Alien being asleep in the pod 57 years later right back at it is, I think that builds even more on her character and shows that she's strong throughout the whole thing, stronger than a lot of the people in the cast and other characters. Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to add here, and we're going to wrap up here and start talking about Alien Echo in a minute. One thing is that... I love Hicks. I think he's a great character. Michael Bean, that dude, rules. He's so good in that movie. He's good in everything. And, you know, you haven't seen the first Terminator either. We'll get to that at some point. But he's in that movie, and he's great in it. Dude should have been a superstar. He, something that's so interesting to me is that, like, almost any other film would have made even though Ripley's like the established star from the first movie they wouldn't just let the dude (laughs) go into basically a coma for the final act of the film where she fights him and she's he 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 like 
what makes him a hero is he defers to to Ripley. Like that's what makes him is he's like you're clearly the best person for this job, and I have I'm banned enough to just be like okay, like let's do what you're doing, and I'll be here to support you. And I think that's really interesting. I think it's really rare, especially in like '80s action any 80s film forget about action sci-fi films like um it's just really great to see every single time you know it sucks that he's unconscious for the last end of the movie because i you know i love the character but it's ripley's movie at the end of the day you know Mm -hmm. and it's her storyline you know so i think you know kind of leads us into alien echo because i think the echo in alien echo is designed to be Olivia to Ripley and we can talk about that as we get into it but I really think that that's what uh, my grant's going for when with that title is she's trying to in a really good way create a Ripley I would say a Ripley yeah I'm gonna say a substitute I would say a Ripley surrogate for like a YA novel right so what did you think you know the, the plot alien echo we basically are just dropped on this planet, right? This uncolonized colonists on this planet, but it's a very wild planet with some interesting biology and creatures on it and some colonists that don't really like them. They kind of live away from the colonists, right? Which makes them feel separated. And you have two biologists with their two daughters and you know, generally, without like spoiling anything, I think we have a lot to talk with Alien Echo. How did you feel about Alien Echo? Um, we already established you're not a huge sci-fi fan. We're one for one, I would say, on Alien and Aliens. Are we two for one or one for two? I think probably two for one. I liked Alien Echo more than I thought I would. Like a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, because I usually don't like sci-fi, but it was a pretty good book. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to ask you specifically what you liked about it, and you don't need to like go into spoilers, but the things you liked about it. Before we do that, though, like what I want to say is I liked Alien Echo as well. You know, I don't think it's a perfect book by any means, but I also think, please, dear listeners, consider for a second the difficulty level of taking one of the harshest most violent gory sci-fi stories in history right i I mean i don't know if this is apocryphal enough or or not but like the story is that ridley scott was told hey it's 79 star wars just came out here's go make us a star wars movie and he came back with alien and they're like, what the F is this, right? The polar opposite of feel-good robots bebopping and, like, you know what I mean? So this is a brutal world. We know that. And you have to write a YA. You know, baked into it, pe- aliens bursting out of people's chests, right? There was multiple times in Aliens, especially, you were, like, disgusted, ready to throw up, right? how difficult it is to make that into a YA novel us, you know, just from a violence standpoint, you know? So I do think it's a really good book. It's a solid book. It's a book I'd feel comfortable recommending for anyone that's YA. 
And I also think there's a difficulty level of like, unlike you, there might be a ton of people who are given this book by their parents who love Alien, but don't have any background to this world at all because they're like at a YA level, right? But I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable showing a 13-year-old Alien or Aliens, you know what I mean? Necessarily. So, but I would be comfortable with them reading this book probably. And I think she does a really good job of setting up the world in many ways without crossing the line into like the goriness. I was really interested in how she was going to deal with chest bursters and we'll get into that. I'm sure as well, but yeah. What did you like about it? I appreciated the LGBTQ plus representation in the book. And I think it's important for younger people to be able to read about that kind of stuff. And I also think I also appreciate the strong female role once again like in alien and aliens totally agree on both of those points obviously i appreciate well i will get into i want to talk more i have a lot to say about both of those things but i feel like i might cross the line into spoilers on that but i think we 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 will leave it there right we we both like it we both recommend it i yeah check it out right like if you don't want to hear anything else totally fine check out and then come back when you when you um, have read the book because so I think we're going to have some interesting conversation here unless there's anything you would want to say that you didn't like that's spoiler free anything you didn't like I think the book moves a bit fast a bit too quickly for everything that's happening but yeah especially towards the end of the book I think the ending is a little too fast but other than that yeah that's really um astute i think like it's it's a little rushed at the end Um, and there's more that and i think there's specific reasons for that but i think we will get to that uh i think you know also with that i think at the beginning it feels very YA. i mean i'm talking like as a really old guy you know what i mean it feels very ya at the very beginning and, you know, when you're setting up these relationships, but that's what they're going for, right? That's what she's going for. And that I appreciate any genre writing using, I mean, that's what genre is at the end of the day is a set of trappings or a set of, you know, a, a set of things that we're all familiar with. And I think smart genre writers use those, you know, cliches, if you want to call them that, to do something different. And what I, and we'll get into spoilers right after this, but Um, Because I want to talk about this up front. I love how she uses the trappings of typical YA to have a lesbian relationship that's just a relationship. And it'd be just the same as like Katniss and Peeta or like any other YA relationship because they're just people having a relationship. They're not weird or odd. It's just the same. And I love that about this book. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's really important, as you said, to especially for the age that might read this book to have that representation and to feel those things you know so um we're gonna get into detailed spoilers about that topic first and so if you want to drop off go ahead you know and uh come back after you read the book so yeah um we have olivia right we have violet the two sisters living together Viola. Oh, Viola. Excuse me, I said Violet. Viola. And we uh, had their two parents, right? Viola doesn't 
go to school, presumably, you know, we'll talk about the spoilers as to this in a minute, doesn't go to school, right, is kind of like um, living vicariously through her sister, I guess, right, I would say a little bit, and her sister is, um, at the beginning of the book, her, Olivia is crushing on Cora, and we build sort of on that, like, do you, do you have any, like, spoiler-esque, like, comments on that relationship at all throughout the entire book you don't have to go like sequentially just like your feelings all the way through the book i think how their relationship starts is a little bit like strange and but and there's like a really blurred line from when they actually like are together from when they're friends kind Mm. of like it's just like they slide into it without really discussing it but to be fair they're also attempting to be eaten by aliens at the same time yeah but (laughs) even before that they're just like yeah slide into the relationship without much conversation or explanation but i feel like it works for them yeah, yeah, the beginning is really weird, and I feel like that's in service to set up the douchiest character in the world that I couldn't wait until he was dead, which is Michelle, which, uh, you know, Michelle's like this colonist dude who's, like, in love with Cora, right? And I think that probably speaks to people in high school who, you know, are exploring what their, you know, orientation is, right? That they probably have people of the opposite, like, sort of, like, trying to hang on to them or whatever, you know what I mean? And I get that, and I think that that's really smart, and there's, let's be honest, most of the guys, especially in high school, are toxic dipshits, so that totally all makes sense, right? It's just, like, on, like, I, I don't even think he's that inaccurate to potentially a character, I don't know, maybe you feel differently, I'm not going to say it's overdone. I'm going to say I was just sick of having to deal with him. Like I was, you know what I mean? More than anything else. So yeah. Do you want to talk about, I'm sure you have feelings on that character. I was, I was just, I was waiting for the moment that he died. I was so over it. He, he just never stopped in the moment you thought everything was going to be okay. He was like, nope, I'm going to cause as much trouble as possible. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know, he's doing, like, shit that's so stupid, but I feel, like, almost like, okay, but he is really stupid. Like, <laughs> like, like punching her in the head while she, they're trying to drive away from the alien. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, and I get, like, she tries to set it up like her his mother dies, too, right? So, like, he, but he's, like, just the dumbest motherfucker. So, it, you know, that's... uh. That's the thing in the book. Like, he's he's not around for super long, right? Maybe, like, halfway through the book. Yeah. He, he, he croaks. He bites it. <sighs> yeah. I sort of want to get into talking about, though, the evolution of Olivia from the... Like, they do this interesting thing, I think. And I think this book is a lot about her becoming who she is, right? Even up to the point where, like, her girlfriend cuts her hair off because Michelle has his hand in it. And now she's, like, you know, doesn't have long hair anymore. And, like, sort of, like, becoming her own because she's had her sister who's, like we said, hung on to her, lived through her vicariously. And she is told over and over again by her parents she has to take care of her. Um, Which leads me to 
one of the things I dislike the most about this book, which is like we discover her sister's like pretending to have an illness and is actually synthetic and she died when she was like three years old. And I was kind of like, okay like do why though like why did we need to do this exactly like what was the purpose of this other than to have another synthetic twist in an alien story and that maybe that's the echo part of it like the you know cutting the head off right that's what happens to ash and alien i just i don't know how'd you feel about that twist i feel like that was done weirdly very strangely because like You're telling me they lived together <laughs> for 17 years of their life and Olivia never realized that she was synthetic? And also, like, the whole thing where you're, like, keeping her inside the house and making her sister ca take care of her when she didn't really need to was, like, why did you do that to her? She had to take care of her sister who didn't actually need help <laughs> for 17 years? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little problematic, right? It's also, like, I don't know. I was trying to decide if I thought it was, like, problematic that they were, like, pretending she had, like, an autoimmune deficiency disease in the book. And I was, like, I mean, I don't think it's egregious, but, like, I just, I, it was, re like you said, I think you put it perfectly. It was a little weird, like, how that thing rolled out, um, and it felt really forced, I think. Now, once we were through that and, like, she becomes a synthetic and is sort of, like, a bishop esque character i actually sort of enjoyed her like with just the head i sort of enjoyed having that like her take on the role of being like uber logical right as opposed to her sister everyone else is emotional yeah yeah so one of the other big things i wanted to get into um i talked about how they're gonna handle the chestburster scene is they essentially just don't <laughs> they like she like and i get it that's like it's why I was wondering how she'd do it because I couldn't imagine how she could write that scene in a YA book and it would fly. You know, I guess maybe you could be really sparse on the details or something, but they don't even really, she, she doesn't discuss face huggers really, at least in, in character form. And I think the descriptions of the alien in this, in, the, in this book is pretty good, is pretty cool. Um, talking about them like living knives, all that stuff is cool. And the biology, the planet as well, like, um, to my knowledge, all of these creatures were created for this book. They're not in the alien universe. The meat deer, the <laughs> the lion worm, uh, the what is it? The snuffle, the snuffle squirrels, squirrels yes, <laughs> are all which is like a caterpillar esque squirrel. All created for this, and I think those were really cool. But like, I wish she'd found a way better. Uh, in the way she describes face huggers, like they know they're impregnated because their lips are cracked because the the face huggers like on the face, which makes sense, right? Um, and they just sort of use biology to figure out that it's a um, an organism that puts the eggs in the body and they're gonna die because you like have this entire scene in the in the nest where like they find Michelle just like cocooned to the wall and their mother, right? And you have to figure out a way why they don't just take them with them. But she never really gets there. So that's like one big criticism. Like you, she, there's no way, everything we know about Olivia, that she'd just leave her mother there without like a really good reason. Like Michelle, maybe. Yeah, but, <laughs> I, but it doesn't seem like Cora would. So like it's, you know, it that part's a little a bit of a problem. What do you think? I think, yeah, 
I think Viola's explanation for it isn't enough for them to have not tried to help them. And same thing with Cora's mother later in the novel. Great point, Cora's mother dying, right? And that's something that just occurred to me, right? Very much um, the alien movies are about motherhood, whereas this is about daughterhood, right? So maybe there's there's something there as well connected to it. You know, because Cora's mother is... Cora's mother's sort of the... She's not exactly corporate, but she's like political and she's like the extension of that to some degree, right? Yeah. There's not a lot of that talking about Weyland Yutani in this book, which I get. It's a YA book. That's pretty heavy to be like kids you're living in a corporate hellscape like that's probably like not um <laughs> great but you know so, so they deal with that like from a political standpoint with the mother um they're just straight up pointing guns at the mother i was like damn <laughs> they were just ready to shoot her and then she's like crying for her. i was like dude you were like three like a chapter and a half ready to shoot your mother in the chest all right yeah and then the scene where the alien just rips her in half, I think that's how they do, she does the um, stomach scene, which ripping the her in half and then having the alien slip out instead of having it burst out of her chest. And kind of that scene rules, like I'd love to see that in a movie, but yeah, I, it's a great point, like if you're going to do that, you can probably do the chest burster scene, because that scene yeah. is, I didn't even consider that, but you're totally right, like... Cora's mom gets face hugged. They know because her lips are broken and cracked and she's cocooned against the wall. They free her. And then, in a, is that the lion worm alien? Yes, it's the lion worm alien, right? So we know, you know, it depends on what the alien gestates in yeah. as to what it becomes, right? Which is part of the alien lore. You don't see that in alien aliens because you're just dealing with people. Um, there's an alien, I have to tell you this. There's an Alien 3 unused script where... <laughs> there's a woman milking a cow and she starts milking the cow oh and sprays God. acid out of the udders and then it turns and shoots another mouth out of the cow like it just looks like a cow and then kills it um which it's i thank you andrew and i listeners of the podcast know andrew and i yelled screamed at each other that he said that that was awful and i said that i can't believe we never got this movie. Um, there's also pigs with little hooves that are aliens. Yes. Well, yes. come on. <laughs> right? Let, let, let Andrew know right now. We absolutely need the alien cows and the alien pigs. Thank you very much. Um, the, also, that script ends. I'm sorry if you listen to that other podcast, but I need my daughter's reaction to this. With the... F <laughs> this is the greatest thing that would have ever happened in the movies. The main character who's, you think the character, you said the character's an alien were one note, you got nothing on the dude in this script. So in this Alien 3 unused script, the father somehow, and I don't recall exactly how this happens, but comes like an amorphous, xeno, like giant, like um, kaiju-esque, like um, size of like one of the titans, you know? Um amorphous humid alien hybrid that's like boil over in the movie in the sh movie would end with him with his son yelling at him that he's his father and the giant blob alien picking him up shedding a tear and saying i love you and putting him on a ship where he then flies away and nukes the planet <laughs> <laughs>
nukes the planet? Okay. Well, it's oh. a spa- excuse me. It's a space station, not a planet, but whatever. <laughs> I. There's also a fight in a 7-Eleven. <laughs> there is. I swear, I'm not joking. And a fight in a McDonald's parking lot. Um, this was a actual a script somebody was paid to make. Uh, it's wonderful. And uh, so I, I know we we got a diverge there, but I know that that was um, that was that was my fun time, and that was for Andrew, who wrongly said that that was a terrible script. That it's a, a it's a beautiful script. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So, um. I don't know where we left off, but, um, (laughs) you know, I I would just say that, um, with, so yeah, we, we, we find that like the lime worms and stuff, they're cocooning those, right? So, um, we left off talking about Cora's mother who gets killed by a lion worm. The really cool description of this like beaked giant worm with like cilia all over it, you know? And I really just think it's smart to use biologists to kind of talk about this world and um the alien right because that's who would be absolutely fascinated by xenomorphs who are the perfect predator and you do you, you know you have these really weird things so like the meat deer who are like yeah talk about the meat deer a little bit what do you i was not ready for the meat deer they're just deer that have no skin <laughs> so you just see all of their muscles and uh the description was very descriptive of these meat deer. And I think that they, like, are eating blood or yeah. meat, right? So they're, like, <laughs> they... Yeah. In the very beginning, there's just, like, the snuffle squirrel. And then this meat deer comes and eats the dead snuffle squirrel after a lion worm destroys it. And the snuffle squirrel is, like, a, a mix between a squirrel and a caterpillar, kind of? Yeah, green. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, um, just this, like, diverse, bi- you know, and carnivorous plants and stuff and all that stuff's really cool, I thought. Like, it just, um, I think, really would ha- helped. Um, and you could tell me if, what I was thinking when I was reading it, knowing somebody who doesn't like sci-fi and you're probably thinking, like, space and all that stuff is, like, you created this world with a diverse biology and it doesn't really f- it, yes it's a sci-fi but it doesn't feel like a space opera or like hanging out in space it feels like there's these people on this planet and it makes it a little bit more grounded like do you think that helped you with your like of this book as opposed to like regular sci-fi yeah it's i feel like it made more sense to me than it would if it was like mm, not human people living on this planet if it was like non-earth human people but instead it's humans that went there and have made a living there yeah uh this that's a great that's an interesting point too right because the alien world deal with specifically intelligent life forms really i mean we get some stuff later when we're talking about the engineers and stuff like that you don't need to know any about that right now but like the in terms of like humans interacting with alien alien intelligent alien lives no it really is about at the core what's interesting about the alien world universe is it's about humanity at its core it's about people we just happen to be colonizers as we've always been it's just different planets right the people who are on this colony hate the world they're on which i think is really interesting they happen to be there but they are scared of it 
They kind of demonize it. They don't even leave their houses, you know, sort of like the, you know, how we were in, you know, 2019. We, nobody leaves the house. Nobody goes out. They're afraid to even like go to their house because it's on a trail. So like everything's self-contained. The space station is even in there. And there's a really great point about like, if you really cared about the people, you'd put the space station away from there. Cause if something goes wrong, everyone would die, but they're <laughs> prioritized keeping everything together and enclosed and homogenized as opposed to like diversifying. What do you think about those like topics? I I just think it shows how humans are unwilling to learn things that are different, like in a lot of different categories, but specifically in this case, they're not willing to see what's outside their walls. And it's like all of these people, they've never seen any of those animals that Olivia sees and tracks and how her parents research for a living even though they've lived their their entire lives and furthermore the colonists like demonize them because they do right like as soon as like things go wrong they're like oh it's your biologist parents that must have done this uh thing and you might feel like that's very like why a surface level type stuff but it's a YA book and you're dealing with really complex issues and i think she does a really nice job of like weaving those things in um and I think most of those things really work. I think the middle of this book is really solid. Like, I think the beginning is a little YA-ish for me, at least. But, I, you know, you're giving it to um, a 13-year-old. Like, they might be right into this. The up When her parents, her mother, like, up to the part where the party starts. So he invites all these kids over. I think it becomes very solid. All the way up to cave past the cave i would say like after the cave um it starts feeling like real even the cave starts feeling really rushed when they're like racing through the swamp and stuff i think the action stuff is well written it's not a problem of like the writing it's a problem of like the pacing like i think we could use i think this book could be another 50 pages quite honestly but maybe if i'm writing a ya book they're like there's no way you're writing a 250-page YA book or whatever, 300-page YA book or something. I don't know. Um, for her, you know, who knows what the restraints were. But yeah, would you? I know you touched on the end a little bit. Is there anything you want to expand on that and the pacing and stuff like that? I think the whole thing where, like, first of all, she's carrying around her sister's head in a backpack, and <laughs> she's just, like, talking in the backpack. Um but I think it was kind of a weird way to end it so quickly with, like, Cora passed out and her just running and, like, outpacing this giant alien thing and then it being impaled. Like, that was just a weird way to end it. I feel like it could have been more. What would you have done? What would I have done? Yeah, if you oh. were writing this book. If I were writing this book, that alien would have been following them up to the very second they got on the transport. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of agree. I think that's really astute, right? Like, I think maybe they're doing a Hicks echo for Korra, right? Because we just talked about how that happens in Aliens, right? And um, what happens in Aliens? They get on the ship, right? You have Bishop, Hicks, and Ripley. There's no... 
there's no new, but you don't need new. Nobody wants new anyways, right? And you have her fight her on the ship or blow it out the airlock or even if you do that, you know, um, I, I agree with that. Like, I think that would be really sweet, especially because we, we've established. One thing I also didn't like about the end is we're doing this, like, really quickly moving through this, like, I'm Cora's dead. She's not dead. We're also moving through, like, I'm going to throw my sister's head. No, I'm not really going to throw my sister's head and lose my sister. Right. Like, we're doing going back and forth to, like, create these stakes that I just don't think stick, really, because... There's no way she's going to throw her sister's head, right? And um, you've established that the reason it's chasing them is because it has the pheromone on them, uh, or on on the um, her sister, on Viola's head, or her hair. Have her follow onto the ship and then blow it out the airlock. That'd be fucking sweet. And then you could have another scene on the ship as they're escaping as well, right? Aside from her mimicking what happens in the end of the alien, where aliens like, this is the Nostromo, and like, in, in the end of the book, um, Olivia's doing a similar, like, log thing at the end. What, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, you said, you were talking about how they go back and forth with Viola's head. And she's like, oh, I'm going to throw it. No, I'm not. They do that a lot throughout the book. Like, she does that a lot. Where she, Viola's just like, throw me. Leave me. And Olivia's like, no, I'm not going to. Oh, maybe I will. Oh, no, I won't. Never mind. <laughs> like, I think... It happens a little too much. Like, it's constant. Leave me behind. No, I'm not going to. Wait, I might. But no, I won't. And then continuing on. Totally agree. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a, you know, really great point. It's like a little overused and it ceases to be effective. But again, I think we we both agree we're really nitpicking at this, right? It's not like we're saying this ruins the book um, by any stretch of the imagination, um, I think if you like something, it's okay to like talk about the things that are good or not good about it, right? And um, I would say I'm close to really liking this book. Like, I really admire this book, actually, is the word I would use for it. Because I think, as I said at the beginning, the difficulty level for this compared to someone just writing an alien book is... Th- and there's some really... Supposedly, I haven't read them. There's supposedly some really great alien books that I can't wait to read. Is... I think really higher than somebody who's just writing an alien book for adults because you have to sort of like follow these tropes, right? As we talked about before, that's a genre is tropes or cliches, however you want to say that. And use them in a way to tell a violent horror story, um, not geared towards kids. So like, I think she, for the most part, sticks it. I just think that there's some little... Well, I, I wish she'd slowed down a little bit at the end, and I would feel a lot better, even better about this, actually. Um, any final thoughts you might have about the book? And would you recommend it? I think I would recommend it, yeah. I feel like, like myself, people who don't enjoy sci-fi that much might find this different than other sci-fi because it's more about humanity than it is about the aliens and the sci-fi aspect of it. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful, yeah. And I couldn't say it better myself. One of these things that, like, really, like, comes to mind when I think about Alien is that, like, um, it's been said that people think, like, the people who lived in medieval times are, like, a different species than us. But in reality, 
they're the same people. This way we are today is the same as people were in media. We definitely are more educated, but we're at the core of the same people. Why wouldn't we be the same people far into the future, right? Evolution is a really long time. And I think that's something that Alien really gets well. And I really, yeah, I really love that you got that from this entire uh, journey from Alien to Alien Echo. Yeah, would you be open to do reading or watching more stuff in the Alien universe? You can be honest. Yeah, I think I would. I think, yeah. All right. So we're going to read that tomorrow together, the that Alien 3 script um, and talk about it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, this has been the LV246 Degree of Alien podcast. I had a really great time talking about alien echo please if you have somebody of that age range like i'd actually really recommend you put money and buy this book and you know um you're an alien lover if you listen to this podcast if you have a kid in that range like they i think that they'd probably really like this book and you know you got both of our endorsement both an old and a young so go out there and uh pick up alien echo we'll see you next time have a great night goodbye Bye.